Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we talk about movies on this show. But this episode's a little bit different from normal, because normally we pick a movie, we watch it, and we talk about it. That's the, you know, simple. It's like a book club, but for movies. So it's better. <laughs> oh, that just made me think. Did you ever see that show Flash Forward? That horrible Lost knockoff that happened, like, maybe ten years I ago? I remember it. But I never watched, I think maybe I watched one episode. I remember yeah, what it was, though. It, it wasn't very good, but there was a really bad line of dialogue. I got through like maybe four or five episodes. There was a really bad line of dialogue about four episodes in. And it was like a, a group of people that had like a suicide pact. And the the FBI guy, who was like the main character, I just, I, I made myself think of it there because what I just said. He had a line of dialogue that stuck with me to this day that's terrible because it's like a book club. But with bullets. <laughs> That is the best line ever. And it stuck with me. So when I said there... How does that work? <laughs> how, how... Like... It's obviously only one meeting. <laughs> yeah. You like, can't meet multiple times. Is it, alright, we'll all get together, we'll all read the book, or in this case, we'll all get together and we'll all shoot each other. Yes. Uh, what? Um, what? So I, I, you know, I just said that it's like a, it's a book club of the movies, and I just, that, I got a flashback <laughs> to flash forward. Um... <laughs> Ter- terrible terrible show but uh yeah so th- what this is this is a countdown every so often every three or four months we do a countdown episode and what this means is over two parts we do a top 50 this is going to be our top 50 movies of the 1980s uh so it's a top 50 of a decade uh i have assembled my top 50 connor's assembled his top 50 and the way this works is very simple connor will give his number 50 i'll give my number 50 he'll do his 49 and so on and so forth and we'll alternate this first part is going to be numbers 50 through 26 and you'll get the second part uh, next week so that's what's going to happen. Uh, simple as simple as can be. Oh yeah. All right, we'll get going. <laughs> we will. We will. I don't know. I was, first. I was expecting a witty comment or something, but you know, you you disappointed. I'm saving my energy for giving you shit when you have a stupid pick, or more likely defending mine when you you raise hell. <laughs> I like that you put it as raising hell, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We'll start with yours, number fifty. Number fifty. What uh, is it? So number fifty, I have a uh, Clash of the Titans. Uh, this uh, I watched this last year, some uh, sometime. Um, it kind of surprised me how well it, it kind of held up. It, it it went in a lot quicker than I say. It was. Uh, I remember talking to you afterwards uh, when we talked about it on the on the movie news that that I'd watched it, and uh, I checked the runtime. It was a lot longer than I thought it was after watching it. Uh, it had gone in so quickly, and. Uh, all the, the stop-motion miniature work with all the, the monsters is absolutely stellar uh, and, and is worth watching for that alone, frankly. Never seen it, so I can't comment. Yeah, not your soft film. I, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine you'd get much out of it, but if, if you're into that sort of thing, I think it's pretty good. I did see the, the uh, 2010 version. This is much better. <laughs> yeah. Do, it has do, to do, be. Do, do, do not judge it on that, please. It has to be. It can get worse than the 2010 version. I don't know how it could get worse. It did. It yeah, did get worse. It could, called Wrath of the Titans. Called Wrath of the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> Never saw Wrath. I'm happy to say, uh, Clash was enough to make me run for the for the for the hills. So that's okay. All right, my number fifty then is Adventures in Babysitting. Mm. Are you familiar with this one? Uh, I, I've I've never seen it, but I'm familiar with what it is. Yeah. This is so much of my list is going to be stuff that I grew up with. Not all of it, but a lot of it is. This is actually not exactly. This sounds like it is, but it's not. This is one that I saw for the first time maybe like five years ago. It's interesting. 
and but basically it felt like something i should have grown up with like i watched it and as i was watching I'm like this is something i should have been watching as a kid like th- this feels like something that i should have been into my whole life um uh you've got you've got um elizabeth shoe obviously who was a was a big actress in the 80s for these types of movies um and it was showing up at, i don't know what she's shown up in recently but i remember her popping up as an adult in hollow man but even that was like 20 years ago now my god hollow man's like 19 years old shit <laughs> but you know um you're an old man well i wasn't born when this was made at least so i'm not that old mm. yeah you'll, you'll have been born when some of the things on this list will have been made a very small fraction yes but that's more than me there's only seven months of the 80s that i was born during so you know what i'm not gonna get too upset about this seven months more than i was Shut your face. Shut your ginger face. Um, so yeah, this is a movie uh, where the, the, the babysitter, uh, Elizabeth Shue, and the kids go on kind of an adventure. Uh, they end up having to get into the city. And there's a lot of really fun running jokes. The, the, the little sister girl, uh, she she loves Thor. And she's got like a Thor helmet on the entire time. And she wants to find Thor. And they eventually run into this like surfer dude with long blonde hair. And she's convinced it's Thor. And it's just... And it's one of these things where if I saw this as a kid, this might have been my exposure to what Thor was. Because I didn't know who Thor was as a kid. Yeah, who did? Yeah. Well, Marvel fans. <laughs> yeah, they don't count. <laughs> but I wasn't into Marvel as a kid. So, I mean, obviously this was what the kid likes. She's talking about Thor from the comics. She's not talking about Thor the Norse you know, mythology. Yeah. She's talking about Thor, Marvel character. Um, but it was, it was, you know, it was fun. And it's one of those delightful hijinks 80s movies where the, they have to go on a bit of a weird, wacky adventure. Mm. Um, and you know, it's the reluctant hero teenager who just wants to go on dates with the boyfriend, <laughs> but she gets roped into this. Um, and by the end, she bonds with the kids, and it's a it's a delightful story. I it was funny, it was charming, and if you like these types of movies from the eighties, um, I th- I think you'll enjoy it. So, Adventures in Babysitting. What's your thought? Forty nine. Just uh, to go oh. off something you mentioned there, how yours is a lot of what you grew up with. I thought, you know, what? I'm gonna have a look at my list because, in theory, it should be. Yeah. It's surprisingly not. There's a, there's just there's a handful that that are that. Don't get me wrong. I think I'll point them out as I go. Which ones weren't? That that, that one wasn't surprisingly. But yeah, um, I'll point um, out which ones were were not childhood growing uh, up movies. I, I will say my number forty nine is one of those. Okay. And you're gonna give me shit, cause uh, cause it's Batman. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There we go. I like this movie. I have fun with this movie. It's stylish, and I get enjoyment watching it. What more do you want? And don't give me any of this bollocks about a good Batman movie. <laughs> I can see it on your face. What? What an unreasonable request! What do you want from a Batman movie? Oh, I'd like a good Batman movie, please. Do you know what? I would too, but I've had some of those now, so I'm quite happy with having just a Tim Burton movie here that I quite enjoy. Oh, never, never be happy with a Tim Burton movie. Never. Or actually, to, to, we're talking about Batman. I should be saying never. You should. Yeah. Yes. Um, and my terrible Michael Caine impression. <laughs> Although it's shockingly easy to do it when it's just one word, and I just do it that way <laughs> every time. I don't have to think yeah. about it. Just never. Um, all right, my number forty-nine is actually again the second movie. It's not a childhood movie. Um, I promise there's a lot coming. There's a reason why these are lower down the list. Uh, but number 49 is one that you have seen, for sure, because we watched it together at one point. It is Chopping Mall. 
This is much lower for you than I'd have expected. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, it was relatively high in the 80s horror list, but obviously we're mixing in all the other genres, um, mm. so that the horror becomes more spread out. Um, and the reason why I know that is because me and Tim did top uh, horror movies of the 80s uh, back in October, or actually not, we start in November, we did that. Uh, so you can check that out in the Countdowns playlist if you want to find it easily on the YouTubes. Uh, or if you're on the audio feeds, go to the Screams After Midnight and just scroll down a little bit and you'll find it. Um, so, Chobby Mall is just a ridiculously great B-movie. It is everything I love about cheesy B-movies from the 80s. It's yeah. set in a mall, there's killer robots, there's cheesy lines, there's uh, you know archetype characters that are... Great score. Silly. There's a great, yeah, great ridiculous score. Um one of the best head explosions in low budget cinema. <laughs> uh, it definitely is up there. Dick Miller has a cameo. It's a whole thing. It's a whole. It's, a, it's it's just delightful. It it knows what it is. It's got a sense of humor, and I actually liked how playful it gets with some of its set pieces towards the end. But there's like it, there's, it, no, it it knows what it is, yeah. doesn't it? But you know, there's like a scene where there's a character hiding in a pet store, and there's a lot of fun stuff with the pets, like getting in the way and stuff like that. There's just you know, it's, it's stuff, and there's great lines. There's, just to quote one of my favorite lines of dialogue from this movie. Uh, a character asks because they go to the gun store in the mall to get guns, even though they're robots. What the guns going to do? Because um, it does, it, they accomplish nothing with it um, outside of sh- shooting a can of gasoline at one point, which is fair enough. That was useful in that one. I just did this, but everything else, not so much. Um, you know, Makes car- you feel better. A character says to the other one, "You know, do you know how to use that thing?" And he goes, "I've seen Dirty Harry twenty four times," and then takes his shot. It was yeah, so. That, that's yeah. the movie. That's 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 Chopping Mall. What's your 48? <laughs> uh, my 48 is Hellraiser. Ah. Yeah, so... Um, pro- I, I don't know if I've actually got a lot of horror movies on this list, thinking about it. Um, but, I mean, there's probably a handful, but th- this is one for sure. Um, this is one that I know maybe some people would, would think would be a bit higher. Um, uh it's, I thought when I watched this, because I watched it a couple of years ago, and I mm. thought, yeah, that was all right. And then I watched it again the following year, and I enjoyed it a lot more once, I, once I'd got rid of those expectations, I think. I, I don't think Hellraiser is a movie that anyone like, who's not seen it knows exactly what to expect from it. it, it yeah. It's a very specific story um, about you know this, this awful person and this awful woman who are luring people in to try and, like, you know, bring this guy back to life because he's like a, yeah. you know... <laughs> and once, once I kind of knew, okay, that's what I'm getting into, Yeah, I was a lot more into it. Yeah, the Cenobites aren't actually the stars of the films. They're, they're a small plot point, essentially. Yeah, uh, great they're, design. They're, great, yeah, great presence. Yeah, very good. Uh, also, the box, you opened it, we came. Great voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know how good my impression actually is, but I love doing it, so he, he got it. Um, but yeah, no, Hellraiser is great. Uh, my number 48 is The Breakfast Club. Okay. Which you might be altering what you just said about your pick. You might be thinking, that's a bit low. Why is The Breakfast Club down here? Yeah, I'm, I, you know, not to spoil anything, but that shows up on my list quite a bit later on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Breakfast Club a lot. This is actually again one. That I, well, this is borderline. I saw this in high school. I mean, it's young enough. It's not as a kid, but it's in yeah. your formative years. Do you know what's funny about it though is I feel like I'm at the point now where high school is more the middle of my life. Whereas you know there was a time when that was that felt late enough that I didn't really count it as being a kid, but it, it kind of is now. Yeah, it's, see, it's not watching as a kid, but I feel like it has 
just as much, if not more, impact yeah. on your overall tastes. I guess the reason why I don't think of it in the same way that some of the other stuff that I grew up on is I remember when I watched it for the first time when I was, you know, 15, 16, I remember one of the things I liked about it was, oh, this is an 80s movie I've not seen. I like 80s movies. It's, you know, I already had nostalgia for 80s movies by the time I watched this. Yeah. I think part of the difference as well is a lot of the ones that you watch, you know, when you're a kid is something you said there, you remembered when you first watched it. That's true. Yeah, that's another and difference. A lot of the other ones that okay, when you're a kid, you can't tell you you know you can't point out the first time you watched that. It's just kind of always been so, there with a lot of those movies, right? This one's borderline. I can guarantee you the next one is definitely childhood. But we're diving into childhood territory for the next two or three. That's interesting. But um, yeah, uh, Breakfast Club is I love a bottle story. You know what I do. And yeah. this this is a bottle movie. It's all set in the high school in a particularly high-tech, uh, for the time, library. Well, high-tech's not the right word. It's not high-tech, but it's very fancy. It looks very swish. Yeah. It's a very modern-looking library. It's bright lights. It looks very uh, artistic. and like Someone designed, designed the shit out of this library to the point where it's almost not believable that it's a high school library. Yeah. <laughs> um, almost like the hit television show, Buffer the Vampire Slayer. Do you know what? As soon as, soon as you start going about stylish libraries, <laughs> it's like about to bloody do it. I mean, Buffy's library is get more doesn't look as uh, like modern. It's not modern, but, but it's, it has it's a stylish too design. stylish for a yeah. school. Yeah, it does. Um, that's this one looks more like an actual library, I suppose, in that sense. But it still looks a bit too fancy. But yeah. regardless, it's you know it's a bunch of kids' detention on Saturday, and it's there's this coming of age story of them all sort of admitting what what the problems are and, and growing up a little bit over one day. Um, and it's just you know it's just I, I like stories like this. I, I like stories where it is like. Not quite real time, because obviously it takes place over like six, seven hours, as opposed to the, the yeah. 90 minutes or whatever. But it's, it's over a day. Yeah. Uh, but I like movies like this uh, when they're well done, when they're when they're written in a way where I can see the emotional journey over the, the course of the, the movie, despite the fact that, you know, it's not like, oh, big act one, big act two, oh, at the end of act two, people are dying. Act three, we have to save the world. Like, uh, those no, are great. None of that. Don't get me wrong, those are great, but... I like these more personal stories. Um, there's a couple of elements that have dated a bit, of course, since the 80s, but you, you look at it for what it is and you take those elements out and you, yeah, you get uh, into it. I feel like that's something that is always going to happen with a lot of cinema. Um, Absolutely. I think this one sticks out a little bit in some places just because of the t- story that is and what it's dealing with, the fact that it has these like casual little sexist things in there or things like that. They, yeah. just, they stick out a bit more because it feels like it, it goes against what the story's doing. No, no, that's true. Yeah. Uh, whereas when it happens in like, Adventures in Babysitting like a little bit, I don't know if it does, I can't remember, <laughs> but like if it does... probably does because, yeah. again, of its time, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Breakfast Club, what's your 47? Uh, 47 is one that we covered on uh, in Flux quite a while back. Oh. Uh, this is uh, Dune. Ah, yes. Uh, flawed, but kind of very enjoyable. If... And has some <laughs> masterpiece scenes. Do you know what? I'm going to be honest here. I kind of didn't consider putting this on my list. And I liked it more than you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, because I, I have a lot less of, oh, these nostalgic... Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't get a lot of nostalgia things in general uh, it doesn't do all that much for me a lot of the time yeah this could just be a case of i've seen more movies from the 80s than you have it could be, I, see, that's the thing as, as well like, a lot of the ones that i saw in my childhood quite a lot and enjoyed a lot of the time i've not really seen a lot mm. since so i kind of didn't even think about those i was just like do you know what no i don't want that on the list i'm not confident that i would still support that opinion 
I feel like uh, Elder's Ether on my list that I've not seen since I was a kid. I think everything's I've seen at least once as an adult too. Well, that's fair, but even like when it. I say you know, there's things that I've seen like okay, well maybe I saw it when I was fifteen. Hmm. But um, you know, it was it was long enough ago now that I'm like, do you know what? I don't want to say that it holds up to where I want it on this list now. Hmm. Yeah, but do do. Uh, yeah. So you know, worm riding. Yeah, worm riding. Bombastic score. Great visuals. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, you know, have fun with it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. My number 47, uh, I promised a childhood one. This definitely falls into that category. This is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, Robert Zemeckis directing. Uh, this is your live action mixed with 2D animation in a world where cartoon characters are real people and actors and their things. <laughs> yeah, this this is an, an example of one that, you know, yeah, so as a kid, I mm. you know, enjoyed it, but didn't even consider from my list because I'm like, you know, I haven't seen it recently enough to, to really consider. It's very pulpy. It's, it's surprisingly menacing. Christopher Lloyd's villain is very good. Um, it's, it's got a lot of really witty jokes. Bob Hoskins is great. Uh, then, of course, you have all the cameos from all the cartoon characters. It has, you know, both Disney and Warner Brothers characters. You know, it, it kind of brought everything together because it was this once-in-a-lifetime thing. And so far, it kind of has been once-in-a-lifetime. There's not really been the closest thing to this is Space Jam, which is you know a different ballpark. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 very strong, um, and gets a lot of love. Um, Jessica Rabbit is probably loved a bit too much by certain people on the internet, but yeah, well, that's the internet for you. That's what it is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, forty-seven. Who Roger Rabbit? What's your forty-six? Uh, my forty-six is the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Which is a far too long a title. Oh, it's, it's a perfect length. I've had this in Blu-ray for like four years, and I've still not watched it. Have you not? <laughs> it's, you know, I think it's it's notable that it's on the lower end of this list, given the the yeah. premise of, you know, this this character who's like a, a you know a physicist test pilot rock star, fighting interdimensional aliens. That sounds like it should be higher on this list, and it, it kind of falls short at, at, at points. It's a bit over long. But it's still really fun. Uh, I had a blast with it, with it, so you know. I'll get to it at some point. I'll get yeah, to it. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do it eventually. That's when I'll get to it. The chances of me putting it on randomly are pretty slim, but eventually we'll see. Oh, we'll do that because I've got it and not watched it yet. Yeah, I've still, you know, I've got the Blu-ray lying around, so you know, whenever. Uh, my number forty-six is actually a Christmas film. It's Scrooged, uh, the Bill Murray Scrooged. Um, this is actually one that I saw as a kid, and I don't think I actually liked it that much as a kid. But I, watching it as an adult, when because it, it's more of an adult's comedy, it's not it's not really a kid's comedy, yeah, uh, by any means. Uh, and it's phenomenal. Bill Murray is fantastic in this. This is this is definitely my favorite version of the Christmas Carol. Uh, it, it just it just is. Um, but no, I actually I like watching this one on Christmas Eve because it kind of counts down to Christmas to Christmas on Christmas Eve almost because it kind of one of the big things at the end is it's like a midnight telecast as, as it hits Christmas and um I don't know it just it feels very festive. Bill Murray's really funny. Um, it's got this dark sense of humor. Uh, he's a proper dick. Like I think that's what I like about it is that obviously you usually have Scrooge as this you know it's an old timey story yeah. and he's this awful person. This makes him an awful eighties businessman. And that, that, it's very that, easy to translate, isn't it? Yeah, and that makes it a very kind of easy to get into interpretation because it's a, just a normal thing. Um, it, you know, because you could do this again now and do it with a, you know, a current businessman, I suppose. It was like Elon Musk. 
Yeah, you could do that that way. Um, but it wouldn't be Bill Murray anymore, and Bill Murray's a big part of why this is glorious. So, um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, also, this one didn't do that much for me, but no, I like it a lot. Um, fair enough. What's your forty-five? Uh, my forty-five is a uh, Grave of the Fireflies. This is a uh, Studio Ghibli. Um, it's about two kids during uh, World War Two who get separated from their parents, and it's kind of just them trying to survive. It's an uplifting uh, tale. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 depressing as shit, but it's <laughs> gorgeous. The animation is stunning. Uh, it's it's a very emotional story. Um, it's excellent. It's um, it's, it's you know, uh, have you seen this? I did. I don't remember a whole lot of it though. Oh yeah, fair enough. Uh, no, I, I think the the animation uh, elevates it uh, for me um, because it's just the the way uh, it plays some of the emotional moments uh, really works. Hmm. Um, Hour forty five is an old childhood one that I grew up with. Um, saw a lot as a kid, and that is the original Karate Kid. Um, staple of the eighties for many a reason. Um, Elizabeth Shue's in this one again. Actually, is the girlfriend. Um, but you know, very quotable. Everyone quotes on wax on, wax off, sweep the leg, all these things. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a sports movie at its heart, in the sense that it builds up to a tournament, and it's you know, uh, Daniel doing his thing. People like to pick it apart now and talk about how Daniel's actually kind of a dick. Um, which is probably true for a lot of eighties movies if you really stop and think about the characters. Um, yeah, character writing maybe was <laughs> at its best at the time. Uh, but it has a lot going for it. It has a charm. It's, you know, it's a much longer movie than I think uh, you'd expect yeah, it to be. We looked at doing it again before the show. The, the YouTube yeah. show hit, and it was it was over two hours, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like two hours fifteen minutes. Which I was like, whoa, really? I was expecting like an hour forty, and it was like two hours yeah. fifteen. I'm like, geez, the Karate Kid saga. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it, it, it's what I remember having an interest in martial arts as a kid, mostly based on this movie. Uh, I'm sure you weren't alone. Yeah, and I, I think it was, and actually, I, I believe that uh, karate classes like like spiked right question. after this came out. On top of this, how much did Power Rangers have an influence on that? Yeah, interest? that's that's probably also accurate. Um. So no, it's 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 a, it's a good movie. Plus, there's some fun stuff early on. I always like the Halloween costume stuff early on. He's got like a shower costume, and uh, mm. the bad guys are all dressed as skeletons. And Mister Miyagi comes out and kicks the crap out. Yeah, of it's alright. You know, this old man comes out and beats up a bunch of kids. Uh, it's delightful. Yeah, and get behind that. <laughs> That's the old man I want to be beating up children. <laughs> oh. So yeah, that's forty five. What's your forty four? Uh, so my 44 is Blade Runner, ah. which is one that I go back and forth on how much I like every time I watch it. <laughs> you know, if I'm in the mood for it, I think I really like it a lot more, mm. which is why it's it's definitely on the low end of this list. And I think the, the direction's really quite good. The music is phenomenal, which is enough to pull it up. Um, but it's it's kind of weird in that it always on some level disappoints me. <laughs> Yeah, the, the plot's very meandering. I, do you know, I'm the same. Every time I watch this, I go back and forth. There's, there's been times when I've watched this movie and I come out of it going, oh, that was like an 8.5 or maybe even a 9. Like, you know, I come out really yeah. enthusiastic. And then sometimes I'll watch it and I'll come out going, oh, no, that was just, it was, you know, it was really dull. Six. Uh, like, and 
right now the last time we watched it was before 2049 came out and that was one where i came out of it feeling quite down yeah (laughs) yeah me too so that's where Um, i am right now i'm at a point with blade runner where i'm not that enthusiastic about it but no i agree if if you'd asked me you know a year and a half ago this would have been higher yes but that pulled it down but it's still like i've had enough enjoyment out of it at times where i've gone no that was fantastic where i'm like no this should be on my list somewhere but definitely near the bottom. This is very unique. I, I can't think of another movie where I keep watching it and every time I change my opinion back and forth. Yeah, not to this extent. I might, you know, tweak it a bit, but this is quite drastic in, in how I can feel. Yeah, but as you said, music and uh, the, the visuals, all that stuff's great. Yeah. Um, my number 44 is, is, we're back to one that I didn't watch as a kid. I saw this as an adult. Uh, this is Starman. This is John Carpenter's film uh, starring Jeff Bridges and uh, christy allen i believe uh so this is and i joked actually because i saw this maybe a a few years before uh guardians of the galaxy came out and i i remember joking when that movie was coming out that star lord's backstory like this is essentially a prequel (laughs) that could lead up to his backstory because jeff bridges plays a an alien who who comes to earth and he takes the form of a a man who's dead because he sees a photo and he takes the form of this man and Essentially, uh, the this man had died, you know, fairly young, and his wife uh, is shocked to see him. But then, ultimately, it ends up helping him on a road trip. He has to get to a certain place to to get picked up to go home, and it's a road trip movie, and it's this love story where they kind of you know bond and fall for each other, and she's kind of conflicted because it looks like her husband, but it's this whole thing. Um, phenomenal score it is a very notable main theme. Uh, if I, I remember, we did Easy A on. On overload, overload wasn't it? yeah, this past year, and there was a rap song in the middle of the movie, and it kicked into the main theme from Starman, and I went, "Is that Starman music?" And I looked it up, yeah, it was like it took samples from that score and the song, and I was it's like, a, "Such a strange choice." I know, I was like, "Man, what what a weird and specific pick," but uh, really good score. Uh, John Carpenter's music, uh, I usually like. Um, it's definitely a sweeter story from John Carpenter. It's not like a dark horror or thriller or anything like that. Um, it's a it's a bit of more of a more of a road trip adventure. That's a love story. Uh, there there are some like government studios like chasing after them who want the alien for obvious reasons. But um, yeah. I think it's delightful. It's a delightful little movie. Um, so Starman, what is your number? Forty three. Uh, my forty three is uh, Evil Dead. Ah Which, yes, Evil Dead. Yes, uh, you know, uh, kind of a classic um, um, at this point. Yeah, this one's really murky as to what year it came out. Uh, so I'm happy to accept it. I, I never considered it though because I I think I kind of count it as seventy nine. Fair enough, but I mean, ba- basically, you you can see this be dated as seventy nine, eighty eighty one, or eighty two. I have seen yeah, it classified the, as all four the, of those. The IMDb official yes is eighty one. Okay. I mean, I I think so anyway. So yes. that's what I went with clearly when I checked. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, it it was really murky. I got really staggered release over a long time, so it depends. Right, what, okay. you're, what you're counting it as, but enough, fair enough, fair enough. Evil Dead, Evil Dead, yeah. Uh, so I assume by that you you didn't put it on your list. No, because I, I I never thought of it because I, I I had it marked down in my data yeah. as seventy nine. So I never. Out of interest, it. would you have had it somewhere on your list if if it had been if you'd consider it as eighties? I may have done. Okay, I may have done. Just, uh, just, just wondering what your your general opinion on this is. I mean, yeah, it may have been a similar place, maybe a little bit lower. Yeah, kind of on the on the lower end, but yeah. you know, it probably sneaks on, right? 
Um, it's pretty solid. It's it's maybe a little bit too long, weirdly, uh, given that it's not actually that long a film. But everything that that's there is is really quite enjoyable. Um, the direction is really low key but solid. Uh, and all the characters are kind of awful in the best way. I don't know if I'd count the uh, camera flying through the forest on a board as as low key, but <laughs> no, no, no. But most of it out of, out sure. of, outside of that, you know, like most of the movie. Which is funny because I think of Evil Dead two and three, and it's not Loki at all. It's no, no, of, they're flamboyant. Yeah, they're very flamboyant direction. Yeah, but the first one, I, I, I think, especially when I say Loki, there, I'm thinking in context of the franchise. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my number forty three. Uh, speaking of Evil Dead, is E. T. And this is the Spielberg classic from 1982. Uh, the heartwarming, good-natured story of boy meets alien and looks after alien. The entire family ends up looking after the alien. Uh, uh, I-, I remember as a really young kid uh, watching the, the final like 15 minutes when they're on their bikes yeah. uh, over and over again. <laughs> I was obsessed with that scene as a kid. It, it's one that... Like, I don't love it as much as a lot of other movies, clearly, because it's at 43, but... Um, there's there's a special place in my heart for like my my fond memories of this. It's still solid yeah. though. It still hold, it still holds up very oh, well. Oh yeah, definitely. What's well, interesting? You know, you just said there you watched the scene over and over again as yeah. a kid. I don't think I ever did that. It was always like a, a whole movie or a whole you know episode of a TV show that I would watch on repeat. Yeah, I know. There's oh, yeah. definitely stuff I watched on repeat. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I would never do it now. I, I think I I did watch the whole movie a lot, but when I'd get to the end, I'd be like, I'll rewind. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever did that with anything though. Um, I remember doing that when I was really young, but yeah, no, you, I get it. You do stupid shit when you're a kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously John Williams' music's very good. Uh, the, the practical effects in E.T. are very good. Uh, it's just a very heartwarming story. Obviously it was ripped off repeatedly, uh, looking at you, Mac and me. And you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's just a favorite for a reason. Um, I'll rank it as high as I think a lot of people would. Um, you know, like there's other movies that the very same year that I would rank higher, that got got overlooked at the time because everyone was a, a friendly and ACT story, but more than that, and part I'm, two. I'm <laughs> struggling to think what I because because I can't think of the exact year and what else was in that exact year. Well, actually, one of them was Blade Runner, but Blade, Blade Runner tanked at the box office that year. Well, yeah, yeah. But there's another one, um, and I I I I will blame ET because it made everyone want a happy, friendly alien story as opposed I, to. I I suspect whatever else. this is, I have it somewhere on my list. You as probably, well. no, I think you do. You definitely do. Okay. Uh, what what is uh, your forty two? Uh, my forty two. Ah, so this is one that I did grow up with. Um, mm. Just because I haven't mentioned that, because it's actually been a while since I've had one. Uh, this is uh, Blues Brothers. Ah, yes. So it's you know it, it's it's a road trip on the on the run from the police, and hijinks occur, lots of them, including you know some neo Nazis. There's a phenomenal, phenomenal car chase in this as well. At the end, yeah. Um, no, I like Blues Brothers a lot. Interestingly, I did not grow up with this. I watched this for the first time, you know, when I was like twenty or something like that. <laughs> like yeah. it, was, it was one that I'd, I'd passed by, and it's notable uh, that I think having grown up with it, you have more of it. I've only seen it once. I, I think this is one that will grow on me more the more I see it. Mm. That makes sense because it has it has the layers and all that. Very funny. Um, yeah, I do, I do like it a lot. Uh, I've also seen Blues Brothers two thousand, which. Um, People tell me he's bad. I saw that fairly young, though. I saw that first. I can't remember. Oh, really? Do you I know what? I never saw that one. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, like, you know, I saw it young enough that I can't really give an opinion on it, if it was good or bad. No. Okay. 
do you remember feeling like you enjoyed it at the time? I think as a kid I liked it, but I don't know if yeah. that'll... But you like a lot of stupid shit as a yeah. kid. We just established that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, I don't, I don't know. My number 42, though, is uh, a film that I did not see as a kid. This is one that I I sought out because I, I was gifted a crappy DVD of a movie when I was maybe about 18, 17, 18, something like that. And I liked it so and much. You thought, this is unacceptable. <laughs> I still watched it, but I liked it so much that I sought out a better version, a box set, if you will, of the complete series, um, which leads me to Phantasm 2, uh, which is a great sequel to a phenomenal film. And the first one was from the 70s, though, so it's not appearing on this list. But this one is basically the aliens to Phantasm's Alien. Uh, it's more of an action movie. It's a little bit bigger budget. Um, we have a quadruple-barreled shotgun at one point. Uh, I'm we, down. <laughs> you've, you've sold me. Because the first film is this this eerie, creepy, small town thing, and it's this, these two brothers investigating. Fan, Phantasm's the silver balls, right? Yeah, silver balls, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, uh, also, you get the main villain going, you know, long before Kratos was doing it, you know, I associate boy uh, with Phantasm. <laughs> um, so, Phantasm was, was a fantastic film, and I'd say it's the better of the two now, but. Phantasm 2 takes it and says, no, no, now it's a road trip where, you know, little brothers growing up and they're, 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 they're traveling the country trying to find the other towns where the tall man has went and done this to other towns. And it's a, it's a hunting movie. They're hunting them. Kind of interesting that we both had road trips at 42. Um, what was, what was your 42? Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, not not even remotely similar movies, yeah, but yeah. just you know, they both have that common thread. Yeah, it's a little bit cheesy. It's a, it's a little bit fun. It's got a because uh, the the main theme from Phantasm is fantastic. It's a really creepy, good good theme. Uh, it, it's up there with like Halloween and a couple of the other biggies where you just, you recognise it and go, that's fast Phantasm. What Phantasm Two does with it is it it does like a like a an orchestrated up version of it where it sounds epic. <laughs> And it's just it's a delightful like yeah I, I like that they did that I like that they they they, they jazzed it up as it were, um, yeah. but not literal jazz, obviously, because uh, that'd be weird. Uh, what is your number forty two? Or sorry, forty one. Forty one. It's uh it's funny you just mentioned something there because it's Halloween two. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice little uh, little link there. Um, I actually really like Halloween two. Um, I I don't understand why people don't. I enjoy um, Halloween too as well. It's definitely weaker on the first one. Oh yeah, obviously, don't get uh, me wrong. But um, because I, I mean, the, the first time I saw this, uh, it was on TV. What well, it was on Halloween, obviously, because they were doing showing them, and uh, and it was Halloween one through four. Th- yeah, it, th- three was an odd misstep if you were watching them all for the first time that night. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was. I mean, I don't hate it. I, I, it's it's a bad Halloween movie, but I don't hate it as a movie. No, I mean Tim loves Halloween three. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's Tim's got some taste. Yeah. Um, oh, further on about that. I, I don't, well, I said it's not. The, it's not a good Halloween movie, but I kind of like it. But it was. It was a. It was an interesting night, and uh, you know, obviously, none of, the, none of the others live up to the first one because, well, Halloween. Right. This is, this is a masterpiece. Ten out yeah, of ten. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But two is the closest out of the next few um, for me. Uh, I think it's I think it's a it's a blast. There's some all the stuff in the hospital. I think is great. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I I like it as a as a sort of early slasher movie. I think it's it's, it's in the pack. It's an enjoyable movie. Um, yeah. Laurie's kind of like limping around, just being scared a little bit too much. I think that's fair compared to the first one. 
but uh, some good kills and some fun the music's not as good but it still plays with the theme it's still got a bit more synthy in it it's, it's good. yeah even, even though it's not as good just theme's still there yeah. so i mean it's automatically pretty good um there's also this is actually something because me and tim obviously reviewed all the halloweens over the last few octobers and mm. watching halloween 2 again there's a scene in the middle that I was shocked at how extreme it was. Not not in terms of like how much violence it showed, but how extreme stuff escalated like really randomly. Is there's a scene where they think they see Michael Myers on the road, and they try and shoot him, and then a car runs into him and burns him alive, and then they go, "Oh shit, that was just a guy in a similar mask." Oh well, you're right. That does happen. But he burns alive, and I'm like, "Can we stop and process the fact that an innocent person just got shot and burned alive in the, the street?" <laughs> Why would you this? process it when there's when there's slashing to be had? <laughs> it's just like a really like it just escalates quickly, and I'm like, hey Loomis, maybe you should feel guilty about that. Just a thought. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Halloween too. Halloween's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I don't know if I agree with everything you just said there, but more on that later. Um, Interesting. My number forty-one is a comedy that I actually did grow up with. Um, although I don't think I appreciated it until I was older. Uh, the, the humor, I think, was a bit bit more of an adult nature for me <laughs> to appreciate as a kid uh but it is a fish called wanda which is a john cleese film uh with jamie lee curtis and it's about a heist he he plays a they're, they're in england and john cleese is a judge who ends up having a relationship with jamie lee curtis who's part of a of a heist like a, a jewel thief team and uh she's essentially infiltrating them to to help with their their, their case because they, they need to try and find out where the 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 diamond ended up or whatever it was um but it is a delightful film chris klein is her brother and he's this over-the-top asshole um he's delightful it's a very funny movie it's hilarious and then you've got uh the the brother otto who's like who's got a, a star and there's a lot of humor that comes from that as well um have you heard of this you're, you're looking kind yeah of no no I, I remember i remember you mentioned it before but i've never seen it yeah it's very good it's, it's very it's very very solid movie um uh, I don't have a lot of straight up comedies on my best of lists normally, but this one definitely fights you know, scrapes on there. Yeah, I I typically don't either actually. Although uh, the, the, there's there's a couple coming up. You know, mm. I feel like there's more from the eighties than there would be probably most of the decades. No, I never even realized I could have done a Jubilee Curtis segue there. I one. thought that's what you were gonna do, and then you didn't. And I yeah, thought I was no. gonna butt in and do it. I thought, you know, what? I'll let you have it, and then <laughs> you, you you didn't do it. I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I never thought of it for some reason. It's because Joe you know is funny, despite the fact that this is still in the eighties, so it's not even that long since Halloween two. She looks like adult Jamie Lee Curtis in this, so my mind never associated with her with Laurie Strode. Right. Okay. You know, she's got the short hair. She looks like she does yeah. in trading places, and she looks like she does in you know Halloween H two O. Funnily enough. And your know, true lies. She, she looks like you know, you know she's well, hit. Yeah, yeah. I, I get you. Um, I think it's because she did have such a drastic haircut, like change. No, I, th- I think it's all in the hair. Yeah, because I associate it's, it's like there was a just a complete transition from this is the the Jim Lee Curtis who played teenagers, and then she switched immediately to so now she's in a like you know she's like thirty, and now she's just thirty for you know fifteen twenty years. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's, um, uh, that's how Hollywood works. Yeah. Um and yeah, she's still she's still uh kicking slasher ass, uh, you know. Or she was a couple of years ago in Scream Queens at least. <laughs> yes. Oh, and, and and Halloween, I suppose this this past year as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, yeah. Yeah, she didn't have the short hair on that. Though. They gave her the long hair to make you think of Laurie Strode, and then you won. 
Yeah, I get why. Hmm. So, um, what is your forty? What is forty? <laughs> Just forty. Yeah, uh, my my number forty is Lethal Weapon. Ah, yes. Yeah, which is you know, great action buddy cop comedy stuff in there. Yeah, written by Shane Black, which is a tinge of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it's it's about the limit. Uh, a lot, you know, it's it's like this is this is the amount of Christmas I can tolerate. <laughs> Uh, which is just, funny. Just a bit. Which is funny because I think it's the amount of Christmas that's not enough to call it a Christmas movie. Yeah, I, I can go a little bit further. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah, yeah you you would do it. You're talking about Scrooge earlier. It's like yeah. no, can't be having that. Yeah. Um, but this is you know just a, just a hint. No, right. Look, like, look, oh, I'm like not that. saying you can't watch this at Christmas, but for me, this I wouldn't call it a Christmas movie. I, I wouldn't either. But Die Hard is a Christmas movie, just for the record. D- Die Hard is a Christmas movie. That that's probably in terms of just outright Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. That's my line. <laughs> But this is more a, a more appropriate level of Christmas for me. I think you'd probably uh, get some Christmas horror movies, though, because they're not exactly all good cheer. They're... Yeah, yeah, I could probably get into that. Yeah. But that's very different. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I thought it was very good. Um, it is. You know, yeah. Fantastic performances from the two leads. you get Shane Black. Uh, Fantastic dialogue. dialogue. Yeah. You know, it's all the witty dialogue is great. you got Gary Busey. Of course, the, the, the legend himself. That's important. Gary Busey is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So no, I can't. I can't argue with that. Uh, my number forty, uh, another one I grew up with. This is Gremlins. Uh, Joe Dante's Gremlins. I love Joe Dante. Uh, may not be the last Joe Dante film you see on this list. Just a fair warning. Um, so of course it has Dick Miller in it because Dick Miller pops up in all his films. Uh, you have Phoebe Cates. You have Judge Reinhold, and you have the main dude who's only ever done Gremlins one and two. Uh, at least that's what I'm sticking to because I've never seen him in anything else. <laughs> uh, it's your small town. It's you know, again, it's Christmas actually. It's set at Christmas, um, and I like the small town vibe. Everything's covered in the snow, and the Gremlins a Christmas present. Gizmo was a Christmas present, and chaos ensues. It's got fun practical effects. It's actually surprisingly dark in places. That I don't think you notice at certain points, and Joe, you know it's funny. Is like I don't know when I decided that Santa wasn't real, but I feel like I was watching this before I did. And there's a really dark story in this about how Phoebe Cates learned that Santa wasn't real because her dad died trying to come down the chimney, <laughs> <laughs> pretending to be Santa. This is one I, I, I haven't seen since I was a kid, mm. so I don't I don't actually remember all that much. I've got you know yeah the, the main mm. bits right, but moments like that. I wouldn't wouldn't remember at all. Yeah, you got young Corey Feldman in there, uh, not staple of the eighties. You, you got a bunch of stuff, um, great set pieces, uh, you know, chaos, hilarity, um, like it, it's just it, it's it's so much of it's definitely more of a horror movie than the second movie. The second one's like full on just dark comedy. This one's yeah. a little bit more in between, where it's kind of a light hearted horror movie and a dark, a dark comedy at the same time. Kids horror. Kinda. Although I, th- I think if you watch it, you'd, you'd probably think, you know what? This is maybe a little bit. This is PG thirteen. Like I, I, I don't think it's rated that, but it feels like if you're going to show it to a kid, you're, you're thinking around that age. Yeah, but that's fine for kids' horror. Yeah, um, I'd give that to a six-year-old. <laughs> um, I don't know. The Santa story might break them. I'm just saying, they might yeah, break them. They'll, they'll be fine. And G- Gizmo's an eighties icon. He's adorable. Yeah. Um, Everyone likes to joke about the rules, but they make for a fun movie. So, um, yeah, Gremlins. There you go. What's your number thirty nine? Uh, my thirty nine is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, ah. which is interestingly my out of the ones I've seen at least my least favorite John Hughes film. Hmm. So you know you can maybe expect another one or two later. 
uh, will not spoil where. But obviously, you've already mentioned you know, Breakfast Club, so you know, just to, just to say that's still coming because mm-hmm. you're an awful person having it so low. Um, no, th- this one's pretty fun, right? Uh, it's a uh, it it's as classic as these John Hughes movies get. It's probably for most people the one that's up there with Breakfast Club as the one that's usually considered the best. Yeah. Um, those people are wrong, but it's still very good, which which shows you just how much I like his movies. No, I, I agree. Breakfast Club's a better movie. I do. You know, I like this movie. I don't. I don't think I've ever fallen in love with it quite the same way that other people seem to. Um, but I, yeah. I, I like the premise, though. I love the premise of this movie. I, I love the yeah. this take the day off school and go on a bit of an adventure and learn something about ourselves by the end of it. Like it sounds, yeah. it sounds good. I don't know. I watch it. It's been only, I've only seen it like once. I saw it like once like 10 years ago. I should probably rewatch uh, maybe, it. Maybe we need to watch it again, yeah. Um, but uh, I do remember finding uh, Mira... I can't remember her name. No. The girlfriend. I remember... I know you're on about. She's quite fetching. She's in Time Cop as well. And she's yes. fetching in that as well. It's understandable. And then Alan Ruck. I liked him. Basically, yeah. Bueller's the worst part of the movie. It's basically what I'm saying. I might agree with that. <laughs> He's this is another part. one where he's kind of a bit of a dick. I mean, outside of the, the te- outside of the teacher who in real life ended up being a pedophile, obviously that's the actual worst part of the movie now. But yeah, yeah, but we don't mention that. Don't bring it down. I'm just saying, it's hard not to think about it when I see him on screen now. That's fair. Because he, yeah. he popped up in an episode of Tales from the Crypt that me and Tim did. Oh really? And it was like, oh, okay, we have to start with a really bad shit before we talk about the episode because it's uh, it's just this awkward sucks. and yeah. You know. Um. My number 39 is is one that we, you heard us talk about not too long ago, actually. This is Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Hmm. And obviously for many people, this is their favourite Star Trek movie. I, I did not necessarily fall in that side of thinking, but it's obviously one of the better ones. It's very, very good. It has the the the, the emotional weight as the darker side of the story, and it has uh, the, the emotional ending, of course, uh, with one of the best speeches a funeral ever. I won't go any further on that, just in case you somehow don't know what happens in Wrath of Khan, but uh, it's a sequel to a specific episode of the show, which I thought was a, a fantastic idea for a, for a movie, to say, hey, that episode was really good, let's do a sequel to that as a movie. And and to make it work, that even if you haven't seen that yeah. episode, which, let's be honest, more people have seen this movie than have seen that episode. Absolutely. And I, that said, though, like, like with all the movies, including the bad ones, they work even better if you have the attachment to the characters through the original show. They do. So all, all those beats land really well. Because uh, when I watched this the first time without having seen the show, I liked it but didn't love it. I liked it a lot more once I'd watched it again this year after having seen Yeah, the, it jumped up having yeah. had the, the context, right? So, now Wrath of Khan, very, very good. So, um... And it is well known that I love the motion picture, but that was the seventies, so that was not eligible for this list. <laughs> Just for it's a the shame, record. isn't it? Just for the record, because I do love motion picture. But hey, yeah. uh, what's your thirty-eight? Uh, thirty-eight. What's that? Ah, Raising Arizona. So uh, ah. one that we covered on in flux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one that someone in the live stream may have given you some shit for recently because you completely forgot you'd watched it. No, I just mixed up the title with something else. That was all it was. Yeah, 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 sure. My, my head went to Miller's Crossing for some reason, but mm, yeah, that's yeah, all it was. Because that sounds remotely like Raising Arizona. Shut up. Um, no, this, this was this was good. This was a good movie. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, it, it was a blast. If you want all our thoughts, there's a review, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, 
What's not to like? It's it's um it's probably um ultimately one one on the lower end of, of the the Coen Brothers stuff for me. It's probably in the middle for me because it's in the lower end of the ones that I like, but there's there's, yeah. there's, there's a batch that I don't like at all. So those that's that's fair. But yeah, no, it's yeah. good. It's definitely a later one, and typically I don't like the Coen's later movies. But this one actually, there's there's a couple of them I like, the lighter mm-hmm. ones, um, and this is one of them. But it's, it, it kind of just gets ridiculous at the end, and that's kind of fun. It, it gets so ridiculous that yeah, that I really get into it. And we we were saying that the, this the character kind of has to have this this uh, arc, this lesson by the end. Otherwise, it's kind of hard to because it was fine at the start because the whole plot is that they, they kidnap this baby because they can't have their own kid, and. It was fine when it was just a wacky comedy, but the more the movie went on, it was like, they kind of need to learn a lesson by the end, otherwise this doesn't work. And luckily, it goes down that path. It, it does, yeah. It, it kind of pays off, and it, it works out nicely, but it's so ridiculous yeah, the, that it's just gone then. Yeah, Why not? The, the baker, all that stuff <laughs> towards the yeah. end is, is gold. Um, yeah. My number... What are we on? 13, 38. 38. Uh, my number 38. I'm racing for impact on this one. The Empire Strikes Back. We'll get to it later. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying I'm going to spoil Connor's number one here, but I've got a good feeling. I've got a good feeling. I, I will <laughs> confirm nor deny anything. Um, it's very good. Empire Strikes Back is a very good movie. I actually don't like it as much as the original Star Wars because one of the things that I love most about Star Wars is the characters and them as a team on an adventure, which I think the first one gives me the most of. Uh, the second one takes look away from the others. Now, we still have Han and Leia together and the story's still pretty good, um, but that's why I kind of like the first one more. Uh, Empire, though, is still very good because it has uh, this this darker growth for the characters. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it's literally what the title is. The bad guys kind of, you know come back at the heroes and say no 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 it isn't that easy yeah um it has some obviously very iconic moments um but yeah so but no i mean hannah Lear are my favorite parts of this movie uh look look with yoda yeah it was okay but it's probably my least favorite part of the movie saving it for later it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> But yeah, I like, I like Londo a lot. Um, that's good stuff. Uh, obviously, everyone loves the the opening Hoth battle and, and that kind of stuff, and it is enjoyable. Is it? I like, how, especially in the the more practical looking effects. It's quite nice. So yeah, you know, you can't fault any of the effects. No. Um. So there you go. Empire Strikes Back at number thirty eight. About where it belongs. So what's oh, your? You're, you're asking for a bottle to the head, my friend. What's your thirty seven? Uh, my first episode was actually one that you mentioned earlier. This is Chopping Mall. Ah, yeah. Because it's just fun and stupid. And sometimes that's what I want to watch. And if I want to watch that sort of movie, this is an excellent example of that. Joe, I was going to sing a song with Chopping Mall in it there. And what's really bugging me is that I immediately have a tune in my head, but I can't remember what the song is that it's coming from. <laughs> Oh, I know what it is. It's um, um, Muse, Time is Running Out. That, that's the tune I've got in my head. Okay. Chopping Mall. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the looks are. <laughs> I just wanted to say a song about Chopping Mall because it's that good. Um, it is very good. It does deserve a song. Which, which is confirmed by season four of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the only TV show in history to ever reference Chopping Mall. <laughs> and to do it with style. Multiple times even. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Multiple times. I wonder how many people watch this movie 
because that show kind of someone probably will have done right. Oh, so at least someone did. Yeah, someone said, "What's this chopping mall?" And someone had a damn fantastic evening because of it. And it was it was a it was a relevant reference to the plot as well, which I think <laughs> it really was. Impressive. It wasn't just for the sake of it. But yeah, uh, my number thirty-seven is a Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, mm. the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, obviously, Robert Englund's Freddy Krueger is great. It's very inventive. I love a movie with rules. So even though it's doing this fantastical thing, was a guy getting into dreams, the character over the course of the film t- tries to think about, okay, how can I combat this? You know, obviously I can try and stay awake, but if I'm not going to stay awake, how, what can I do? And there's a lot of proactive thinking. There's a lot of proactive, let's try and figure out how I can fight this. And then you also have the added element of the parents don't believe her and she has to do this on her own, which is also another thing that makes it work. Because you feel like your hero's been burdened. Like It's even more difficult than it should be. And that's part of it. And then you've got the dark backstory of what Freddy is. You've got some great kills. You've got all this stuff. Um, it's a exemplary little film. Yeah. I still haven't seen it. Every oh. every uh, you know round Halloween time, I go, like, oh maybe this year, and I always see that box set for a very reasonable price. You, you do, yeah. And I'm like, oh maybe I should just grab that. Not and, only, not only that, it's a box set at a reasonable price that excludes the remake. It's actually like the best of all worlds. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a very you know a very attractive box set in mm. terms of a purchase. For some reason, I just never pull the trigger on it, even though I'm sure there's at least two movies in there I'd enjoy. Yeah, probably three. Three? Okay, cool. Three. For the for the price of it, I would I would for even if I only enjoyed two movies, I'd feel like I got my money's worth. And honestly there's another one that you'll probably like, even though it's a bit more bad, but it's still kinda of fun. And then people go kind of either way on another one. There's, 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 I think there's only two movies in there that are definitely garbage that you're not gonna like. Okay. Fair enough. But you know, that's just that's But yeah, may, may, maybe I'll grab it at some point. There's a classic classic for a reason. Um. So you know, great score as well. Great main theme. You know. Yeah. Do 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 do. I had to finish the phrase once it started. I wasn't. I wasn't not finishing. Oh, we're it. getting a copyright strike. Or we would <laughs> if you were any better. If you were. You know, that, that's the beauty of it. I can't sing in tune, so we're never, never get picked up. Yeah. <laughs> Even in court, if someone like manually decides that I'm I'm breaking copyright in court, I think I can argue. <laughs> It's like, come on, no one knew what that was really meant to be. <laughs> Only because I explained it in depth yeah. before I did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, what's your number 36? 36 is, ah, The Little Mermaid. So it's the, the, the first Disney film on here that I think I've mentioned. That's was the I 80s? I, b- I believe so. I, I assume... think it was late 80s. I think that, I... Uh, no, I mean, I you, you know better than I do. I just assumed this was ancient. <laughs> I'm having to double check because I thought it was uh, 89. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. I, I assumed this was like the 60s, but. So, no, no. When you said this was 80s, I was like, shit, was this early 90s? <laughs> That's fair. Because um, um, I knew it was around that region. Um, I, I think I only saw half of this as a kid. I only ever saw the whole thing. Really? Okay. Um, I, I don't know. It's never appealed to me, I guess, as a kid. I never finished it. It's, it's uh, you know, not my, not my favorite of the Disney films from this era. Um, but I do really like it. Uh, obviously, it's you know the, the the classic story. You know, okay, you know, makes a deal, loses a voice, gets to go up and get legs, and you know, speak with the peoples. Well, not speak, try and communicate with the peoples. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very ob- Disney story. Obviously, greatly improved by the remake that was Siren. Oh, obviously. You know, yes. if you really want to know how thoughts on that one, go check out that <laughs> review. That is a one for the ages. Um, yes. I'm pretty sure, actually, there was a, a Netflix movie 
of Little Mermaid. You know, the adaptation of the, the original story. Oh, really? This year or last year, like 2018. Mm. And it looked awful. Absolutely atrocious. I never watched it, but I'm pretty sure that was a thing. Okay. This mm. does remind me, though, I've not seen Lure, which was meant to be like an insane horror movie, mermaid thing. Yeah, I've not seen that one either. I, I want to say it was Mexican, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, fair enough. Yeah, not seen it. <laughs> I can't comment. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. Yeah. Uh, my number 36 is going a bit darker. This is not one I grew up with. Nightmare on Elm Street was, for the record, as was Empire. <laughs> Star Trek 2 was not. Star Trek 2 I watched as an adult, first time. Uh, this is back to something I watched for the first time as an adult. This is one that I actually... I, did I buy the Blu-ray of this and just watch it blind? I think I did. Um, and you've seen this. Oh. And I think Is this going to be something I've forgotten? It might be. It may be something that pops up later. Uh, this is Blowout. This is Brian uh... De Palma's film about uh, John Travolta, who is actually a sound... Uh, what's the correct term here? Uh, he's a Foley artist, essentially. Foley artist, yeah. yeah. S- sound recordist, if, yeah. You, if you wanted to use that term. But he, 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 he goes out and records various sounds that he can possibly use in films and things like that. And while he's out recording, he, he's got this long-range mic because he's, he's picking up like, you know, no, the noises of the trees and the birds and the, you know, the nighttime sky yeah. kind of thing. And he actually accidentally records a, a, a conversation, uh, possibly even a murder. Yeah. It was just a conversation, yeah, it was a murder as well. Um, that, you know, puts him in the crosshairs of some really bad people and it becomes this thriller of chasing... Uh, John Lithgow's uh, the villain... Um, there's a whole. It's just. It's a really suspenseful movie. It's really well directed. Some, yeah, the direction is fantastic. Great score. I actually. I, and I love the setup. I love that it's like because I. I feel like how many movies do you watch where the main character is a sound recordist for like a for like a production company? Probably none others ever. Yeah, I like how unique that is, and I like that that's kind of the setup for why he's recording. And... I. I like how much it utilizes that in the movie. Hmm. Because it's 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 relevant throughout the whole thing. It's not just like oh this is the setup and then we'll forget about it. Yeah, because he uses his skills to clean up the recording. He does a lot of different things. He, you know, yeah. He uses makes later to like try and like you know help his case and things like that. Yeah, um, it's it, you know him him being the the sound recorder, It's not just a setup. It is yeah. consistent throughout the movie. Which which because movies of this kind often it'll be like oh here's your gimmick to get it going and then it's mm. just okay it's another mystery right. And then there's a great chase sequence in I guess a train station uh, when Lithgow uh, chasing yeah. him around. Uh, it's very good. It's a very you know Brian did, De Palma. Did we do thriller. this on Influx? We didn't. We didn't. Uh, it's one we should do at some point. I think we both sure. watched it before we started doing the show, yeah. or, or at least I did. You may have watched it just randomly, but afterwards. I mean, I've but... watched it a, a while ago now, yeah. so it might have been before we started doing it. Um, it's definitely one we should do because we've done a few De Palma films that we've liked uh, from this era. So yeah, there are some good ones. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like modern De Palma is not very good. So it took me a while to try his old stuff, but it's really good. So <laughs> yeah, uh, the, some of those ones they're classics for a reason. And I feel yeah. like this one is a an overlooked one. Yeah, I, I think I've got the Criterion of this. I think that's why. I, I think that's why I blind bought it because it was Criterion. <laughs> I've got some sort of version of it. Yeah. I don't think it's the Criterion. But uh, now blowout. Uh, what's your thirty-five? Thirty-five. Ah, another one you mentioned earlier. E.T. Ah, okay. So, you know, a bit higher than you had it. I think uh, still probably for a lot of people would be on the lower end. Yeah, I, I think some people would come out of this list and think that should be in the top 10. But Yeah, uh, I, I mean, clearly, you know, 35, I think perfectly respectable. Nowhere near the top 10, though. Um, hmm. But it's good, right? And, and yeah, this is one that we grew up with. This is one that, you know, it was always kind of there. Uh, I say that, the end stuff, I never watched it on repeat, but it is fantastic. Hmm. I, just, I was just thinking about it now again is... Uh... 
how kind of distressing the stuff before that was as a kid when they've got him captured in the tent and he's sick and yeah it's yeah, really definitely. sad it gets really sad yeah it is it's a it's, 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 a, it's a great movie so so good in fact that Spielberg used it for his production company. The Amblin yeah. logo is the the kid in the bait going past it. Why wouldn't you? It's, it's 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 such an iconic visual that yeah you show, you show that and everyone knows what you, what, it, what it is right. Yeah, uh, my number thirty five is actually related to a film that you brought up already. This is Lethal Weapon Two. Yeah. Because Lethal Weapon Two, I love Lethal Weapon One. Don't get me wrong, but Lethal Weapon Two for me is the the high point of the series. I think. As much as we lose Gary Busey, we gain Joe Pesci. And Leo Getz is a fantastic character that I love. Uh, I love how he interacts with the other two. I love um, his whole shtick is just funny to me. Um, it's one of the things that this series does very well. Even 3 and 4, which are the weaker films by far, they both introduce a new character who sticks around for the next one. I mean, I guess not in 4, technically, because there's not a fifth one. But you know, but would have done. Yeah, like Chris Rock becomes the character. Rene Russo becomes the, character, the new character in 3. You know, uh, Joe Pesci uh, introducing this, and he sticks around for the rest of the series. He's here, you know, yeah. for three and four, and he's just—he's really entertaining. I, I like the villain better in this. That this, of course, gave me my one of my favorite quotable Don't lines of the entire. You Don't know, do it with the accent. <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> I love it. I love the villains. Uh, Patsy Kenseth's in there in a random role. Um, there's a love interest for Mel Gibson. Um, it's, it's brutal in places. It's, uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, the first probably several dozen times I saw this taped off TV was heavily edited for violence. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, you know, is you know when I eventually saw the uncut version when I was a bit older and I got the, the DVD, you know, uh, yeah. I might have even imported the DVD just to make sure I got the uncut version. Um, it was it was like, whoa, this scene was brutal. I never saw this before. What's going oh, on? This is awesome. Uh, just just yeah. really good. It's a really good movie. I, I think one's great, but I think two actually improves upon it a bit. Um, That's fair. Uh, I, I realized it didn't quite make my list, but it is very good. Yeah, no, I like two a lot. Um, so... Do you know what's funny? It's funny that this diplomatic immunity thing came up because I was actually, I was thinking. It's funny that I happened to just bring it up. Yeah, I I was no 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 because because I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking of like coming up with a catchphrase where I I molded it and it was for the DC Comics podcast because I realised that immunity and continuity were very similar words and I wanted to come up with like a a thing about DC continuity in that voice. You already have an ending catchphrase for that. Not for the ca- ending, just just for like when 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 we start talking about crisis and continuity being wonky. This is because of Young Justice, isn't it? <laughs> Shifting continuity or something like that. I don't know. Oh god! Um, but it was made me laugh. Anyway, that was my thirty-five. What was your thirty-four? My thirty-four is going to make you angry, very angry. Because it's because it shouldn't be here because it's too low. Oh, because it shouldn't be here, especially because because uh, this is here and and Lethal Weapon Two isn't. Akira. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, yeah, you're a bit angry. You're like, oh, I'm you, not you, angry. You, I'm you, just... you have just residual hatred. I expect you. I expect decisions like this coming from you. That's fine. Hey, I am not alone in loving this. Movie. It's it's like you know. I just use the phrase that parents use on their kids when they're they're upset with them for something. Yeah. You know, you, you to me when it comes to things like this, you like I've had a kid who became a junkie, and that was really upsetting at first. But now I just expect you to relapse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But I'm not alone on this one. Akira's great. Everything, you know, when it gets to that ending and it's going down and it's all, all, all the tensions kicking off, it's fantastic. You got all the stuff on the bikes. The animation is gorgeous. It's absolutely standout. Music's fantastic. I don't understand how you hate this as much as you do. I wouldn't say I hate it. I just thought it was a convoluted mess and therefore did not enjoy it. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, my number 34... Oh. Uh, number 34 is actually a counterpoint to something else you said earlier oh because it is halloween 4 the return of michael myers do you know when you when you said uh, you made a, a comment uh, when i mentioned halloween 2 and you said oh yeah i may disagree you may disagree with something yes. i went oh I, I bet you disagree with me saying two is the best one of the first uh, of two through four or even just two through the rest. <laughs> like it's not even just two through four. Just. Well, I I have yeah. I have not seen past four. Okay. Until, I've seen you know the twenty eighteen, but you know, ah, the, the the main one. Um, the only one worth watching a little bit is H two O. The rest. Uh. <laughs> Probably why I started. You know, I, I I saw those on TV and went. That was enough for tonight. Uh, yes. And then I looked into it and went. You know what? I'm all right. I'm leaving it there. No, I love Halloween four. Halloween four is definitely the schlockier eighties version of Halloween. But yeah. I love some of the things that it does. I love that it's a town that remembers what happened and is like, when they find out he's coming, they take it. Because in the first movie, one of the big plot points is that the sheriff's kind of skeptical, you know, kind of skeptical when Loomis is like, you know, so. oh, this mass killer's coming, he's the devil himself, you need to, you know, take precautions. This time, they take it seriously. The sheriff's like, really, like, you know, he's a, he's a little bit hesitant, he's, he's doubtful, but because of the end of two and, you know, there's the condition that he's in. But other than that, he takes it seriously. And... Not only that, there's like, you know, people in the town start grabbing shotguns. There's like a, a posse, you know, searching the streets for Michael Myers. And I, I like that. I like how it does that. I actually think it's a very fitting ending if you want to take this as the end of a trilogy. If one, two, four is your trilogy, yeah. this ends it with a great ending that says, you know, something. And don't get me wrong, I think one works on its own as, as, as best. Like, I think you take one as a standalone film, but if you want like a fan fiction expansion, two and four make a great trilogy. I know I, I, I really like four as well. Four, it, it obviously didn't make my list mm. because of uh, my comments earlier, but I do really like it. Uh, I, I like all those first four to varying degrees. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, there's complaints. The mask is probably the worst it's been in the first four movies and things like that, but um, I love how it plays with, with the, 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 the formula a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a fun movie. Uh, you know, fairly likable characters for the most part and, you know, everything else. So. No, I really like Halloween 4. Halloween 4 is great. And the obviously, the music's never been better than the first film, but uh, I do actually kind of like the the weird version that this has. It's got, it's got this kind of... Um, it is more synthetic. It feels a bit more fake. Yeah, it piano. felt like they were, all right, well, let's let's try and play with it a bit now. But yeah. they hadn't got to any of the extremes that you yeah. hear later. Yeah, because the best thing about the new Halloween was by far like John Carpenter playing with his own soundtrack. <laughs> and oh, just yeah. being like, oh, let's do some wacky things and... And, you know, I said in some electric guitar because that's something the original definitely didn't have was electric guitar. Yeah, it's yeah. no, good uh, stuff. But uh, yeah, it's Halloween four. So my number thirty three is uh, another one that we've covered on Influx in the past. Um, that's Inner Space. Mm, yes. Yeah. Um, you 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 hinted earlier. Do you have this on yours? Maybe. <laughs> is it nearby? Uh, I I will tell you that it just missed the cut. Just messed because um, okay. I've only seen it one because it's a Joe Dante movie. I loved it, it when we watched it. it. I still love it. Um, I think it's one of these ones where once I see it 
one or two a more few times, times. Yeah, it'll probably rise in my list. But oh, I get that. No, I I had such a fun time with it, and I wasn't really expecting to for some reason. Mm. Like I, I didn't have any reason to think it would be you know not good, but it still surprised me with how much I enjoyed it and how fun it was and how clever. Right? Yeah, because the the premise of it is that um, Dennis Quaid. Uh, is in this experiment where he's like he's like a pilot shrinking down into like you know molecule size into this little ship that can go inside people and stuff. Yeah. But someone steals him. Uh, there's like, like a hit on the lab that's like doing all this stuff. And this random guy who's a bit of a neurotic dude. It's, you know, it's kind of this guy who's always nervous and you know he's, he's got all these problems. He ends up consuming, <laughs> consuming Dennis Quaid's little ship. Uh, not intentionally, of course. Uh, it, or not, actually, not, not, it's not consuming. He flies in his ear, if I remember right. Does yeah. But, um, he ends up like, or he gets injected into him, or, or whatever. Uh, because because remember, one of the scientists is like running and he injects him. Uh, yes. To, to, to secure. Regardless, it. the point is then in this little ship, he is inside the man's body and, and communicates. To him. Yeah, he, him. he talks to him, and he has to get use him to help him, like try and solve the problem. The fact that there's a bad guys running after him. It's this full on mystery thriller thing yeah. with with it played through the through the lens of this comedy angle of okay yeah. there's a miniature man inside his body it is a delightful 80s movie it does everything you want it to do with its premise dennis yeah. quaid's got a love interest who he kind of has to try and like reconcile through this other guy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> such a great subplot uh this is really good um so no, the aerospace is great. It was on my short list. I had like you know when I when I assembled my my first short list to then sort of whittle it down. I had like sixty five yeah. movies. That was on the sixty five. But yeah, I started with a similar amount. Yeah. So, uh, my number thirty three, uh, another sequel, also another one I grew up with, uh, as was Halloween four, just for the record, and Little Wim too, um, is Back to the Future Part Two, uh, the sequel, of course, to the first one, and it. I love what this does, you know, this this is the one that introduced hoverboards, this is the one that, you know, gave us the future. Because the first one, of course, is about going back to the past and, like, almost breaking history and having to yeah. fix it. This one is about, okay, no, there's some wacky stuff in the future, we get to see the flying cars and everything else. Um, which, I, I think when I was a kid, I probably liked this one more because it had all this futuristic stuff in it. Um, that makes sense. But, yeah, so it, re- it really plays with things. What I love about it as well is that it goes back into the timeline of the first movie and like doubles down on the original timeline so we have like two versions of characters running around at the same time both the first movie version and the second movie version and in the case of doc brown we have the real doc brown from 55 and then the current doc brown <laughs> running around yeah it's it's delightful it plays with these things it's the sort of thing you can only do in a time travel movie uh, but it has the heart that back to the future does um and i, I think it's one of my one of my favorite sequels uh, some people don't like back to the future part two as as much well, it's the sequels in general as much, but I like them a lot, and uh, two I, I like quite a bit. So, fair enough. What's your thirty-two? My thirty-two uh, is the Naked Gun. Ah, yes. So, kind of back to you know proper comedy here now. Um, very much a comedy that you don't get anymore, right? I can't think of anything like well, this recently. I mean, Not well, that it was any good. Yeah, all those movies that end with the word movie tried to be what Naked Gun was and fail miserably. 
Yeah, yeah, the idea of the, 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 the spoof, but kind of really slapstick and, and do, do, do over the, the top. Do you know the main thing that's, all on just the writing quality, do you know what the main thing that separates them? Naked Gun isn't spoofing any one particular movie. It's spoofing it's the genre as a whole. Yeah, yeah, it's spoofing tropes, it's spoofing what happens in a lot of movies, so it makes it kind of timeless, even though it's spoofing all these things. Whereas you watch Scary Movie, and it's like, it's screaming, I know what you did last summer. And then once that time has passed... You know, that's, what, that's you, what you got going for it. Whereas, like you say, Naked is doing so many movies. Like I say, it's, it's the genre as a whole, right? That, yeah. That because you've seen these tropes so many times, it works. As long as you've seen movies of the era, I mean, it's arguable that maybe some of the tropes have like died down over the years, so maybe it's not as relevant as it once was, but as long as you've yeah, seen a selection so. of movies, especially from the time period, I think you know, you'll get the jokes, you'll, you'll get what they're yeah. making fun of. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's it is stupidly over the top in the best possible way, right? Also, one of my favorite gifts comes from this movie, which is when the fireworks are going off behind him, and he's ah, like, yeah. uh, "Stand back, people! There's nothing to see here. Please disperse." And there's mm. literally a fireworks show going behind him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no, I like that a lot. Um, uh, I love also the opening where it's like the the, the bonnet of the police car. Yes. Um, and just the light, and it's like driving through all the places. I love how blatantly that's just a sheet of metal with a light on it that attached to a camera. Yeah, they went, screw it. It doesn't matter, right? It's gold. Uh, yeah. no, I like the gun as well. The gun's good. Yeah. Um, uh, my number 32 is Evil Dead 2. Uh, yeah. The the wackier sequel that goes apeshit with, with its premise and brings in more of the comedy. It has skeleton fights. It has chainsaws. It has hands that are alive on their own. It has all these crazy things. It is a delightful romp uh, and a night of insanity. It's kind of a weird movie in the sense that it's kind of half a remake, <laughs> half a sequel. Yeah, it is very surreal. But, they, but as a remake, it completely changes the tone, so it gets mm. away with it. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the first five minutes essentially remake the first movie because they didn't have rights to the footage of the first movie. And then it goes from there. So it, it does still follow on naturally from the first movie. It just changes some things because it, they could, because they had to anyway, so they figured they might as well make it work with the movie that's happening more. Can't argue with them. Um, so, no. Uh, Evil Dead 2. That'll do. <laughs> What's your 31? Uh, my third. Oh, this is one I know you like. This is uh, Basil the Great Mouse Detective. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, the second Disney film I've had on here. Uh, this it's it's Sherlock Holmes, but he's a mouse, and the villain is voiced by Vincent Price, and he's called Ratican. It's kind of great. And there's a bat with a peg leg. There is. It's it's a fantastic movie. It's definitely an underrated Disney movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, and overlooked because I I don't feel like anyone ever talks about this one. Uh, not especially when you consider the. You know the the time period that kind of comes right after this movie. You know you've you've got you know, I mentioned Little Mermaids not that much later. You know then you're going into your, your your Lion Kings and so on, and this one's kind of really just overlooked in in that era. Damn right it is. It's better than all those movies. I mean it's better than some of them. Better but... than all of them. Bob Basil. Uh, my number thirty one on a completely different end of the spectrum. One that I did grow up with, unlike Evil Dead Two, which I did not is Commando, which arguably maybe I shouldn't have been growing up with this one, but I did. Well, yeah. I did, as well as weird things, actually. I remember, like, you know, when I got older, not even that much, just in my teens, uh, watching some Charmed and then realising that the daughter <laughs> in Commando was Alyssa Milano. Um, 
So it's just one of these funny things when I watch it now. I'm like, oh, that's Alyssa Milano. And you can tell. It looks like her. You can, like, yeah, oh, I, like I, I only watched this a few years ago for the first time. Yeah. Uh, it's all right. Not not really my sort of movie. I kind of just watched it because I felt like I should. Um, <laughs> but I get why people like it. Pardon me. Um, yeah, no, I love this. This is like such a simple action movie that I love. It's, you know, daughter gets kidnapped. Arnold's like, you know, I have to like do something about this. Um, and he's on the run from the bad guys uh, who, who are chasing after him. David E. Kelly's really funny, I think. Um, and he essentially teams up with like a, an unwitting partner who he kind of gets a lump with this woman who just happens to like witness things and ends up being involved. And it's basically it's gearing up for this insane third act where they they go to like a gun store and he he locks up. He he goes to the island where all the bad guys are. It's an island, you know. It's it's a B movie as it comes. And he puts the you know the, the the war paint on, and he stocks up with multiple machine guns, a rocket launcher, and then goes through like the I mean, forgive the the word, but the Terminator. He goes through this island, the Terminator, just mowing down people and ripping off arms and beating people with them. It's delightful. Um, th- th- this is like this the simplest best action movie <laughs> that there is. I, I can't argue. It's it's. Just... I, I understand everything that you just said. If that appeals to you, you'll love this movie. Yeah, it's delightful. Uh, and, and you know, and the chemistry it has with the, the 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 kind of love interest is nice. Um, and I always like the opening as well, as he's going through the the mountains carrying logs because he's a goddamn tank. Because uh, of course he is. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it's delightful. Um, but yeah, uh, that is that is my number thirty one. What's your thirty thirty? My 3030. 3030. 30 is one you already mentioned. Uh, it's Star Trek 2 Wrath of Khan. Ah, yes. Yeah, we, we talked about that uh, earlier. Like I said, yeah, the, the way it works, all the beats, uh, it's kind of great. You know, uh, it's it's not, uh, you know, we both agreed it's not our favorite of the Trek movies. Mm-hmm. But um, it's 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 up there. It's definitely in the top handful. Yeah. Um. I already spoke about it, so moving yeah. swiftly on to my number 30, amusingly enough, is Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Joe, you know, it's funny, we always have this thing, and this has happened with Tim as well on the screams lists, is that there's always at least one thing that's either the same number or or back-to-back in the sense that it's just, it's, you know, it's like, because because of the order we speak in, like, it'll be yeah. yours going into mine or mine going into yours or whatever. Um, that's not exactly that, but it's it's, it's close because it's, it's not a Star Trek movie. Uh, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home is a delightful time travel romp where the crew of the Enterprise end up in present day at the time, 1986, and they have to find whales. <laughs> and that's, that's fantastic. That sounds stupid, but it's great. And the obser- was so trepidatious going mm. into this movie. Now, the observations that are made, the humour that comes out of it, of McCoy seeing medical facilities, of Spock like un- trying to understand what swearing is, and there's all these other elements, is great. Even Chekhov has some of his best stuff with the, I am looking for nuclear vessels. <laughs> like, you know. Uh, also, I, I said the V there, I shouldn't have done that. Wessels, it's we- nuclear it, vessels. It was, yeah. Yes. Um, like, it's just, it's, it's so much fun, and. Um, it has a heart to it. It has, it's, as you know, it's some great stuff for Spock and, and Kirk. Um, yeah, it's was that before we watched it, you tell me it's kind of a comedy. Yeah, and it's about saving whales. <laughs> I was like, no, this is gonna be awful. 
I, I was like, what, what, what is this? This isn't what I w- w- want out of Star Trek. Also, oh, how raw was this? Is exactly what I want out of Star Trek. Arguably, this is the fairest the movies are in terms of giving all the crew members at least, you know, some good moments. They all get something. They do, yeah. Um, and that's nice. So, um, and you know, I, I, I like the, you know, the, 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 the present day woman who kind of like, you know, becomes the love interest for Kirk. Um. You know, they don't do the, the pussyfooting around where they try and avoid her, her finding out what it is. Like, she eventually finds out and is in on the plan and ends up yeah, coming yeah. along for the ride. Uh, I like that it goes full swing on that. Uh, it great. definitely commits to, to all the stuff with her. It does. Absolutely does. Uh, so, there you go, Star Trek Four. What is your number 29? Yeah, it's going to be a quick one because uh, Evil Dead 2. <laughs> Close. Only, only Just a couple of slots away. Just a few slots, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, this is a way more fun than the first one obviously i had the first one down near the bottom uh this this is a blast it's you know it completely just changed the tone of the franchise into probably what it is more recognizably considered to be now yeah it's just what a tv show was kind of aping especially with uh, uh army of darkness as well which you know went even more into the comedy to the point where army of darkness is barely a horror movie if you even yeah, want to call it yeah. that it's it's definitely a horror comedy at that point that one this one is borderline I would say. Um, yeah. I'd say if someone wanted to call this a horror comedy, I probably wouldn't fight them on it. Um, I wouldn't, just because then I'd lose points on our spreadsheets in, in the October thing. There you go. Um, uh, <laughs> number, my number 29 is another Joe Dante movie. It is The Burbs. This is Tom Hanks and Corey Feldman's in there. Although you can tell us at the end of the 80s because Corey Feldman's like 20 now. <laughs> so he's, 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 he's grown up a bit since, uh, yeah, since yeah. Goonies and stuff. Um, but he, this is a movie where the, these weird neighbours come in the house, it's a, it's a cul-de-sac, a little, you know, you know, the burbs, it's suburbs, and a little tight-knit community, all the neighbours seem to know each other, and you know, one of these other neighbours is his best friend, and they're convinced that these new neighbours are shady, that they might be killing people or something, so it becomes this, this light-hearted, jovial movie about them trying to investigate their neighbours, and it keeps playing with the idea that maybe there isn't actually anything weird going on. So everyone else starts to look at them as if they're being like, as if they're bullying the new neighbors, obviously, essentially, because they're because yeah. they won't leave them alone. Um, and it's great. It is great. It's it's like I watched this for the first time a few years ago. Uh, I got the Blu-ray, watched it blind because it was Joe Dante. I took the risk. Yeah, I see this Blu-ray all the time, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll pick that up. And then again, it's one of those that for some reason I never have, but it's always on the the list of oh, it's great. someday. Annoyingly, this has been up for voting overload like twice now, and it's lost both times. It's happening on Influx at some point. I'm talking about this movie, damn it! It's happening. Well, eventually. We're taking it out of the out of the patron's hands. It's happening. So, oh, this is finally going full dictator. Shut up. Uh, what is your number twenty eight? Uh, my twenty eight is ah, Full Metal Jacket. Mm, yes. Very much a film of two halves. And one half is better than the other. Yes, the first half. Yes, the first half. Yeah, I think the second half is still very good. So, you know, otherwise it wouldn't be this high on the list. But if that second half could live up to the first half, oh boy, this would be a lot higher. Because mm. the uh, the first half of Boot Camp at this movie is just phenomenal. Uh, it's probably in 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 terms of war movies, I'm usually not a big fan. This is one of my highest ranked war movies in general. I would say. And a large part of that is down to the first half not being at the war. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is probably it's directed by Stanley Kubrick. Is, yeah. is, is the big thing. 
because uh, he, he also obviously this is not the 80s this is the 50s but he had passive glory which is about these men who are who are being tried for cowardice because of what happens at the start of the movie and kirk douglas kind of has to try and defend them because he doesn't believe that's what it was yeah um and so it's essentially a war movie but it's more of a courtroom movie than it is anything else yeah uh, but that, that one's really good if you haven't seen it, it's almost like it wasn't that interested in making a war movie and then he got halfway through this one and went oh go on then because <laughs> that's how movies work they, they make it up as they go along and yeah. then decide halfway through we're well, going to change if, it. if anyone can get away with it yeah it, it was kubrick yeah uh, this is one that didn't make my list it was on the short list i like it quite a bit but it's definitely on the lower end of my kubrick movies that's fair but uh yeah uh my number 28 is I'm actually returning to a franchise that I've brought up already, um, and that is An Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors, uh, which is my favourite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. This is... I talked about how in the first movie the character gets proactive and like starts forming plans to take on Freddy. This is the natural evolution of that, where you've got, like, you know, at, at this point, Freddy's legend has spread. We've got, like, five or six kids who are in the, the hospital who, obviously, no one believes them what's happening. They think that, you know, that they're all mentally ill but the character from the first movie becomes a psychiatrist and tries to help them and one of the girls has this power where she can actually pull people into her dreams if someone else is sleeping she can pull someone in and this becomes kind of the crux of the movie where it's about fighting back it's about if we can pull each other into our dreams and work as a team then what can we do and it also plays with the idea well these are dreams can we not like manipulate them as well do you know, crazy if, shit. If we're in a dream, can we not fight back? Can we not like you know give ourselves our own powers or our own things or, or whatever? Um, for example, as a character who's in a wheelchair, but once they're in the dream, he can walk. He can get up and you know do stuff. Should bloody hope so. If you if you don't dream of that, then you're doing it wrong. Um, I don't know. You maybe you're healthy if you're not dreaming about that <laughs> on, on a on a regular basis. But don't be on a regular basis. Sure. But I mean, probably at some point, right? So I love all that. It also again, much like uh, Halloween Four, this to me feels like. It's kind of the end of the story, if you want to like end it here, because it's not necessarily worth going forward with a lot of the other stuff. Because um, four's not bad, and obviously seven's like a weird like meta thing that's outside of continuity, so that doesn't matter if it's you know watched right. after us or not. Um, but this this is a neat ending. It kind of like goes back to the origins of Freddy, where he came from, and like I don't think it's a spoiler to say that they defeat him at the end of the movie. Um, but obviously the fourth one has to ruin that by bringing them back because because yeah. there had to be a fourth movie. Yes, because money. So, but if you want to accept this as the ending, it feels the most tied into the first one. You can even have to watch two. Two is like a very separate movie. You can just watch one and three as a twofer, and it's this complete story. Cool. And it's great. Uh, I always hear great things about this movie. Yeah. No, I love it. It's my favorite one. Uh, what's your number? 27. 27. Ah, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Ah, yes. yes, yes. This is, uh, this is uh, you know, a, a great movie. It's comfortably the, the, the best of the original movies. I'd have to really think about it if I'm included in Fury Road. It's more of a fight then. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure where I'm going to come down on that one. That's a, that's a debate for another day. Yeah, you don't have to for this. This is yeah. days, so Exactly. <laughs> but I've just thought, you know, well, you know, I'm not going to talk about that for a while now. So, yeah, mm. I thought I'd mention it. Um, no, this is great, isn't it? This is because the first Mad Max is pretty good, uh, but it's very straightforward. It's kind of toned down. And this one kind of went, screw it. Mutant people. Everything. Just all that, sorts. Yeah, this is the movie that inspired every post-apocalyptic story ever afterwards. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because the first one is is so grounded in comparison, right? Mm. Uh, it's it, it's 
feels like a, a could have been an entirely different franchise. Uh, yeah. This one is is taking your idea in a new direction. To I, have to, I have to watch the first one again. I don't remember liking it that much. Um, I quite liked it. It's, it's really quite it's it's quite uh, slow and methodical, mm. really, um, and it doesn't have any of the extreme elements that that, that the second one introduces. Yeah, two is just a good action movie. There's great car chases. There's great ideas about them worshiping, uh, you know, fuel because there's not a lot of it because it's the post-apocalypse. Yeah. Um, so they're they're protecting this oil tanker that's full of oil. Some some great side characters that are just mm. just here, you know, you know, they're not big big deals, but they're they're all everyone there has a, such a personality. And it, kind of, and it kind of establishes what we think of as Mad Max being because it's Mad Max as the reluctant hero who kind of comes in and ends up into the fight even kind, though he doesn't it, want yeah, to. Yeah, even when he's not even trying, he just kind of ends up there. Yeah, and I love how it plays with the idea that he's only got like like one shotgun shell or something like that. You know, he starts off with no yeah, ammo. Yeah, yeah. The gun's just for show more than anything else. Yeah, it's playing with that throughout the whole movie, mm. that, that shell. Um, so, yeah. Uh, no, I can't argue with that. Uh, my number 27, I'm going back to Brian De, Brian De Palma uh, with Body Double. This is one that we did early on in Flux. Uh, yeah. Fantastic thriller. Uh, it's very stylish. Lots of music. There's wonderful direction and camera shots. Um, there's one particular shot I'm thinking of in my head right now where... It's this like sort of beachfront kind of like set of apartments, yep. and it's it, and they're, they're they're kind of like kind of stair formation where they, they keep going you know because it's going up a hill, so yeah. each level's got like one step back. If if a giant was walking down it, it'd be a nice set of stairs for him. <laughs> um, yep. But there's this shot where you just look at that from the front, and there's like a, there's giant staircases on either side of this this apartment complex, and you can see characters coming down one side and up the other side, and it's it's, it's, it's this game of cat and mouse, and you can just see it all. It's it's glorious. It's oozing in style. It's a little bit sleazy because Brian De Palma does sleazy. But it's sleazy in a way that works in the tone of the movie. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's a great thriller. I, I, I love Body Double. This was a nice surprise oh. for us when we watched that. Yeah, yeah, because we weren't... Ne- Again, this was... We, we like, well, we like some of these Department films of this era, but mm. are we going to like this one? And and we, we definitely did. Right? Yeah, that shot up near the top for me. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, you know... Uh, you know, I like this more than Untouchables. I like this more than you know. I've seen some of his seventies movies. I'm sure we'll get to them at some point. Um, yeah, probably. But this, yeah, this may be my favorite De Palma film. I've not really thought about it, but it may be. Oh, that's fair. Uh, yeah. I'm just gonna just swing in because 26 is uh, is blowout. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, obviously we we spoke about it quite a bit earlier, but uh, De Palma back to back. Yes, De Palma back to back. Yes. Um. Yeah, okay, well, that takes out my 26, which is actually the last entry of the episode. Uh, this is the end of part one. Uh, my number 26 is one that you've actually mentioned. Oh. It is Basil, the Great Mouse Detective. Yeah, I didn't want to go too in-depth on it, because I know how much mm-hmm. you, you do love this movie. I wanted oh, to let you go on about it. I love it so much. Um, the investigating, the idea that... Because what I love about it, it's not just that he's, he's, a, he's a Sherlock, but a mouse. The real Sherlock in that still exists. Like they live in the world with the humans, and yeah. it's like it's like a secret society that exists down, you know, down at foot level, basically. Yeah. Um, and they have like you know the the mouse doors in the wall, and like they have the dog that helps them. Sherlock's dogs, like the transport and all mm. that stuff. And uh, Rattigan's fantastic. I love how scary it generally gets at the end because the one of the first ever examples of CGI in a film is the clock tower clock fight tower, which yeah. is gorgeously rendered and it's 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 basil and ratican having this this again this game of cat and mouse pardon the pun uh on these gears as they're spinning and there's like almost deaths like left and right 
and it feels very direct. But also the music's very good. I love the main team. I, you know, mm. I, I hadn't seen this in years. Um, you know, maybe about five, six years ago, I hadn't seen it in like you know probably ten years at that point, maybe longer. And the Blu-ray came out, and I bought the Blu-ray because I was like, yes, yeah. And I, I put it in, and as soon as the music started playing at the title screen, I got giddy because I, just, it, I got this wave of nostalgia. Because this it is, is one that so I, good. Yeah. I watched this so much as a kid. Yeah, th- this is one I never saw. No, you know, this is one yeah. I watched in the past. You know, five, seven years. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, probably you know, not long after the Blu-ray came out. Probably so. Probably similar time to you when you last saw it. And I thought, you know, I, I got a lot. I've got most of the Disney Blu-rays, uh, not all, but you know, I was picking them up. And uh, so I got this one, having not seen it. Uh, um, the reason I've got most of them, even though I hadn't seen some of them, is because they're all numbered. The bastards. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the, it's great. The plot, yeah, the plot of this one is that a uh, little girl, her dad, the inventor, gets kidnapped by Ratakin because Ratakin wants him to build, you know, a contraption. Um, yeah, evil stuff. Yeah, and the little girl comes to comes to comes to Basil for for help, and. I love the scene where she tries to like get him on the job, and he's like, "Nah, I don't have time for this. This is, you know." And his uh, because there's a character who kind of becomes his Watson, but he's not actually with him. He actually yeah. comes with the girl. He helps the girl come and find him, and uh, it's when she says "Ratican," you know, or she mentions the bat with the peg leg, and he's like, and "It's he gets, Ratican." Yeah, he perks yeah. up. That's his Moriarty, and he's like, "Yes, okay, I have to find him." Um, I love that. I love that he's got like a lab, and it's like all the test tubes and beakers and all the the crazy shenanigans, all, all this stuff. Uh, is great. So, um, no, uh, Basil, a great right. detective. I love it. Uh, so that actually wraps up the first half of of our countdown. Yeah. So things to note: mm-hmm. you had Empire hideously <laughs> low. Yes. And that also means that you presumably do not have Return of the Jedi anywhere. No, it's not deserving of being on the top fifty of these. You're an awful person. It's okay, but it's not that good. We're done here. There's not going to be a second part. I can't, I can't continue working with this. Did you honestly think Return of the Jedi had a chance of being on my top 50? I mean, maybe at the like 50 to 48 range. <laughs> That's a really narrow range. It was a really narrow range. It's very specific, wasn't it? It wasn't even on my shortlist. I never even considered it. God, you're the bloody worst. I knew I didn't like it enough to put it on here. I mean, I think I like it. I mean, it's enjoyable, but. It's not. It's not in my top fifty. I'm sorry. It just isn't. I, I can't say anything else about it. It's, but I mean, when you bring it up, because I know you're going to. Um, I'll, oh, it's I'll, coming. I'll voice my grievances. Yeah, and I'll tell you why you're wrong on all of them. Uh huh. Uh, so uh, yeah, that does wrap up part one of this countdown. There, uh, part two will be coming next week. Um, ended up being a week later than we intended on it, just because of delays and internet outage and other things. But uh, regardless, we're here now, and this was part one of your top fifty of these. Yeah, we have many a movie coming. We do, we do. We've actually recorded a couple of episodes in advance for March because we're planning a kind of a special month in March based yeah. around a certain uh, birthday and anniversary. That, that I'm pretty sure you've said publicly multiple times, I so I don't know why you're being so coy about it. Okay, it's Batman's 80th birthday and his 1,000th issue of Detective Comics, so... Yeah, yeah, well, it's, so, not his, uh, it's not his 1,000th. He didn't show up until 27, so technically it's his 960 or 73 issues whatever the point is yeah. uh yeah. detective 1000 batman month so it's, been yeah, a lot of it's batman obviously uh, we, we right back at the start of this video i brought up batman right <laughs> so you can hear a discussion on batman yeah it's yeah, coming 
we've uh, already recorded it admittedly patrons because they get things a week early they'll actually start getting batman movies uh in the last week of february but um it'll be march for uh, everyone else yeah. throughout you get batman movies uh so look forward to that um uh, the news shows are coming back um, in fact by the time this goes up uh, on patreon the first tv news should be like the day or two after so we should have the news back for 2019 kind of hitting there um and then apart from that anything to tell you about so, yeah there's there, there should be some upcoming extra movies where we do some catch-up movies mm. for in, in the awards season yeah that's true yeah we'll be doing we've got some... some stuff tentatively scheduled uh that we're hoping to get to yes very tentatively <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not going to say anything because things can change but mm. we definitely have some that we're like no we want to cover that that's getting some buzz we're interested yeah yeah uh, so <laughs> yeah that, that is that is the that is the plan so uh let us know what you thought of the of our picks and by all means give us your uh lists in the comments below um if you want to wait till the, the, the you know part two so you can do the whole 50 in one go uh fair enough but if you want to give us uh 50 through 26 just now we, we like seeing them uh so by all means give us give us them give us them on uh but yeah so we'll see you for part two uh you can like and subscribe all the usual things because it does help us out a lot if you do that uh, even more so if you go to patreon.com slash tv and you can you can uh, sign up there and uh, give us a dollar once per month or even more if you want to and um, we appreciate that loads of course uh, but otherwise that is us so get us on twitter at mail underscore fuzz and we'll see you next time so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching movies guys and we will see you next time